I wonder if people can hear us on the internet. Hey, internet people, can you hear us? <laughs> Maybe no one's watching this. Hey, chat. net peeps. Oh my god, that's true. <laughs> hey, netizens. Netiz- netizens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Yep. God, I was, I was, Sarah and I were. I don't remember how we got on this topic, but we were talking about just stupid old internet shit last night, and I'm four years older than she is, which is the same with you and Janelle, I think, Nick, or maybe Janelle's a little bit younger, but even that age difference is sufficient for it to feel like a significant generation gap, specifically on the internet. Oh, yeah. Because all of the shit, like, Mahir, I kiss you, and, like, hello, my future girlfriend... All that, all that shit, things that were like the era when people's individual personal websites could become memes before we had the word meme and right. spread virally before we had the word virally, that she is totally un... She you did not I, live through that at all. What I discovered is that Janelle actually has, um, like, because she grew up in the sort of like second stage of that... There are things that I am unaware of because by at that point I was sort same, of disengaged. Same. For, so like she was telling me like like t- we we ran across some video from like Newgrounds or something, and I was completely unaware of it. And it turned out that's, to be this enormous meme <laughs> that like we just had. I had no exactly fucking idea. Last yeah. night, that the reason that came up is because we so, somehow we stumbled on this like Romeo and Juliet flash total Newgrounds style thing, and she was like, "Oh, this was huge." on the like old internet for me and I'm like I have no was idea. Was it like what a this stick is. figure thing or yes, something? Yes, it was a stick figure thing. Oh, I think we literally talked about the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, this was massive and I'm like, I don't know yeah. what this is. We had the exact uh, same conversation separately yeah. on the same day somehow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Weird. Yeah, it's really weird. I wonder why did that come up in the first place though? I feel like Yeah, I'm confused too. That's so strange. Was Aww. there something that yeah, I think there was on our, at least in our case, I can't remember why that that came up. Welcome to the Idle Thumbs Ruination Online for January <laughs> 2018. For Idle Thumbs, I am Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. This is the podcast uh, and live stream on which we answer questions. Posed to us by high tier patrons of our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash idle thumbs. And uh, this is the especially ruined ruination cast because I believe both Jake and myself are sick. Nick, it's a good thing you didn't come in today. Yeah, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that is I literally had this moment where I was like, oh, we recorded the. We recorded Important If True the other day, and that was on, you know, through our sort of virtual studio. But today, we're recording The Ruination, where we all come into the office, so I'll get to hang out with Nick. And then I was like, <laughs> that's <laughs> literally not going to happen. I don't know what... That's, Nick it, doesn't live here This now. studio setup does genuinely feel to... I, I'm sure it doesn't to you, Nick, because you're seeing it through the, your stupid computer screens. Yeah. But... uh your one life-size face is surprisingly good at me thinking that I've hung out with you. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, is that's, not... That's a little disturbing. It doesn't say good things about about sort of yeah, human's well, perception that, of the that world. That wasn't what was going on in my brain, though. I literally... Because, you know, the, we, always, we almost always record these on a Saturday. So it's like we're coming into the studio specifically to record this and only this. Mm. And so it's like we all come in to the studio and do the thing. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'll get to see Nick for the first time in like a month. Uh, so that was just my brain being really dumb. I see. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I can still see Nick, but only like a quarter of him, like a sixth of him. We need like five more TV screens so we can show <laughs> Nick's entire body on various yeah. screens. And then we are, we assemble them. In, we we assemble uh, eight of them in a three by three grid, leaving one uh, sort of section of the grid open so that we can play it like a sliding puzzle and reassemble Nick. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's answer some questions. All uh, right. From people who paid us money to to make <laughs> us do that. This is an easy one, probably, sadly. Nick Cornick asks, are we going to get a Wizard Jam stream of the most recent batch of games? We should remind people what Wizard Jam is. <laughs> 
Jake, as the official Wizard Jam <laughs> yeah, as the, explainer, as the I ambassador. Think. <laughs> yeah. Wizard Jam is a uh, it's a game jam that the Idle Thumbs community throws twice a year on the on the dot it seems like they're the the most recent one in december was wizard jam six it's a two week long game jam where anyone who's interested in hanging out with the out of thumbs community and making a game from scratch everyone you know everyone doesn't work all in the same game you can just make whatever game you want uh they spend two weeks making a bunch of video games b- that are based on Idle Thumbs episode titles as the theme. Mm-hmm. and From res- any any podcast a- on our network. Yeah, any Idle Thumbs network show. And the results are always really good. Um, and we used to stream them. And I don't know if we're <laughs> going to this time. I'm going to guess the odds are, the odds are yeah, low. Let's not get people's hopes up. But if you want to go find streams of other people playing <laughs> Wizard Jam games, you should go look on the Idle Thumbs forum and the Wizard Jam forum. They had a sort of show-and-tell weekend at the mm, end of the last yeah. jam. And also, there is a Wizard Jam channel in the Idle Thumbs Reader's Slack, which you can also find in the forum, where there are a lot of the folks who make the Wizard Jam games there and also people who have streamed them. Mm-hmm. So um, if you want to find them, you can go to the Idle Thumbs forum and just go to the wizard jam forum or you can go to itch.io slash jams slash wizard dash jam dash six i think there might also be like a wizard jam.com or dot net but i don't know all right uh sorry to disappoint you nick but there are other streams of these things uh mickey p asks how fixed is the current lineup of co-hosts important if true seems focused specifically around the jake chris nick trio dynamic but idle thumbs has in the past had varying lineups and guests and stuff do you think this is something that would happen again i don't know um i mean it might it might not i mean i we focused on especially now that idle thumbs is a monthly show uh it's a it's been a lot easier for us to maintain it uh in the way that we sort of want to rotating host was really fun but it was also a real pain in the ass in a lot of ways because uh every single episode required like rounding people up and it was also just kind of who is around to sit down in the studio and record this which i think made it actually pretty hard to make a reliably good podcast yep yeah it was it was cool because it meant that everyone who had sort of a favorite or preferred co-host could get episodes with them sometimes. And also everyone who was on it was really fun to do podcasts with. Uh, but it was logistically complex and sort of complicated and inconsistent in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, I could see us totally just having swapping out a guest for a week or something. I mean, yeah. definitely, but mm-hmm. uh, prob- probably not the musical chairs of old. It's crazy that there was a time window where there were six possible Idle Thumbs people living in San Francisco, and there was yeah. Chris, Jake, yeah. Nick, Danielle, Sean, and Spaff would all yeah. potentially sit in on a week. That's awesome, but yeah. also it was kind of a c- cacophonous mm-hmm. uh, festival. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so The best of those, though, is Idle Thumbs 300, which has seven people on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that was an impressive... Yeah, that was an impressive achievement on our part. That was actually sort of our pilot of being able to do any of these podcasts remotely, yep. even though I don't know that we sure. knew it at the time. Ian McNichol writes, um, this is, I guess, mostly for Jake. What? What aspect of transitioning from an established game development studio to founding an independent one did you find most challenging? What was the first, where, where was I before? At an established game development studio, Telltale Games. What oh, do you mean? right. I guess it was an. Est- sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a company you did not personally create. What do you mean? <laughs> I, I didn't know what they meant by established. Uh, yeah, it well, had been established before. It was, you an, went it was there. a business that existed. Uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I think the the most difficult part for me was it was and continues to be feeling responsible for the continued employment. And sort of well-being of in in our case now like almost a dozen people. That was not a thing that I thought about at all when I was working somewhere else. And you sure. know, like making the game and selling the game was was and continues to be a big deal. But like the sort of just ongoing fact that you see all these people every day and that you're paying their salary and you want them to be happy and you want them to keep working for you, obviously. But just also. I don't know. That part of it is is like really on my mind all the time when it like when it comes to running a game company. Like my favorite part of shipping Firewatch was that it did well enough that we were able to pay people profit share and that I was able to like actually give people 
back any sort of like financial thanks for continuing to work at a company that I own. I don't know. Like that, I didn't mean to immediately go straight into like monetary compensation, but I mean, I guess it's, I'm an employer. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. It's weird to think like that there's people that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. They can go find another job, I guess. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, they could. <laughs> Fucking Marie Antoinette over here. <laughs> <laughs> Work wherever you want. Get whatever job you want. <laughs> Wealthy employer Jake Robinson transitions into full uh, <laughs> incarnation not, of this that's role. That's not what I meant. I meant that people aren't literally like explicitly dependent on me because they have chosen to work at Campo Santo. Right. But given that that is the case, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't feel like I'm a boss even though I am, but I definitely feel like I have a responsibility to the people who work for me. Mhm. You don't feel like you're a boss, but you definitely feel like you're a boss. Oh, like a like a, yeah, like a definitely boss. with a W. Yeah. But you know, when I when I worked at Telltale, I didn't give a shit about the company as a as an entity. I was just like, give me what I need to make my video game, you fucks. Like right. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Just you know, a huge. Asshole. But now you have to say that to yourself. Oh, yeah, that's the biggest change. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, Alex Schroeder <laughs> writes. What games, if any, would you consider your guilty pleasures of 2017? For example, over the holidays, <clears throat> I found myself spending countless hours on my Switch playing Fire Emblem Warriors, a fan-service-filled button masher that, while not exactly bad, felt strange to unconsciously prioritize over the likes of Zelda and Mario. Also, thank you, Nick, for endorsing three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri a while back. I finally saw it a week ago, and it was fantastic. Um, guilty pleasures, huh? So, like, games that are... <laughs> I mean, like, hmm. hmm. I, I actually, for this? I mean, I definitely do. And it's a category of thing that frequently I, I think fits the bill, this bill for me. Uh, and I, and I'm, when I, and I'm saying this, and I'm, before I say the name of the game, I want to say that I'm not saying this is a bad game or not a worthy game to play. Um, but my answer is, uh, actually, I already forget the name of it. Oh, it's the new Solitaire game from Zach Gage. Oh, yeah. Which is called, mm. Jake, remind me what it's called. I'm also looking it up. Uh, flip-flop Solitaire. Flip-flop, yep. So the reason I'm I'm saying <clears throat> this is a guilty pleasure and also a good game, um, and I, this is a, an experience I have had many times with what I would consider very well-designed and clever mobile games. Um, flip-flop Solitaire is the latest game. It is Zach Gage, right? Yeah. I'm not, okay, good. Uh, Zach Gage, a game designer who made this game and also made a previous game called Sage Solitaire that I didn't get as into. He also made Spell Tower. And yeah, he's, he's made and a number a handful of things. Of but really that's like, that was his biggest games, hit, I yeah. think. This is a version of Solitaire that just has some tweaks that one of the biggest effects of which is to raise the likelihood that any given um, sort of deal of Solitaire can be winnable. It also has different game modes that you choose between, so you can play Solitaire with anywhere from one to five decks uh, or in suits, or rather, one to five suits of cards. So, in, like, there is a fifth suit he has invented just to allow for there being five different suits. Um, it's just very good. It's not really worth describing all of the specific mechanical changes from regular Solitaire to flip-flop Solitaire. It's just a really, really good, smart take on Solitaire. But the the problem for me with games like this, just me personally, and what makes it me sort of consider it a bit of a guilty pleasure, is that I will go on playing it long after I have exhausted any sense of sort of novelty or freshness or... You know, when I've reached my skill ceiling, which happens. I mean, when games, it does become basically like a sliding block toy that you just exactly with, yeah. right. Threes is is kind of the archetypal example of this for me, uh, of a game that is b totally brilliant and clever and very well designed and beautiful to look at and everything else. But that I will at a certain point, like w because the skill ceiling of these games is in theory higher than my personal skill ceiling. But to get past my own personal skill ceiling, I would have to start like really thinking deeply about strategy and probably reading other people's <laughs> strategies for these games and, and getting really into it in a way that I'm not going to. And so what happens is I end up hitting my ceiling and then the game just turns into essentially calorie-free comfort food, which is just uh, not a way that I like to spend my time. I don't, I don't, but it's super seductive to me. It's seductive to me in the moment, but then I regret 
having spent the last hour like sitting on my couch, basically just flipping my thumb left and right on the screen. I, I don't like that. And it's fine for anyone to spend their time that way. It's totally fine. But since the question is about our individual guilty pleasures, it is definitely something that I don't like to let myself yep. fall into once I've already exhausted the game of reasonably all of the sort of powerful and worthwhile enjoyment and surprise that I'm ever going to get out of it. I don't think I had a guilty pleasure game in 2017. Sometimes I do, but I <clears throat> I mostly, I mean, I talked about most of the games that I played on the podcast, and that was basically all that I played. I didn't end up with a filler game. I yeah. guess PUBG was the closest, but I really like that game and don't consider it one. But I did um, watch about 30 episodes of Magnum P.I. For real? Yeah. I've never actually seen Magnum P.I. This may well tie into a later question. Okay. Well then, I'll, then I won't. I'll say no more. No, no, say more. It's Magnum PI. I don't know. I well, I've never it. seen Magnum PI. Well, it's a, it's an eighties like I think it was on CBS, which is one of the big three networks. That doesn't matter. Crime show. Yeah. I don't know. It's just well, a, what led you to watch a bunch of it. It was. It showed up on one of the streaming services that we have, and then yeah. uh, my wife just started watching Magnum PI. So whenever I would come home from work, it would be on because she just had it on when grading papers. So I've now seen. Dozens Lots of and dozens yeah. and dozens of episodes. <laughs> yeah. We haven't gotten to the Murder, She Wrote crossover episode yet, but that's because these TV oh, shows man. have like 20-something episode seasons and we're on for yeah, fucking like a billion episodes. years. Yeah, they last forever, yeah. But I know that there's a Murder, She Wrote crossover because I've only seen the Murder, She Wrote half, which is the second half. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because there was an episode in each show. Yes. <clears throat> uh, got yeah. it. That's cool. Nice. Um, Nick, anything come to mind for you? Um, probably like the single player content in Hearthstone, which is uh, oh, oh, that, oh, the boss a, rush stuff. It's a fun. Part. Uh, yeah, the boss rush and there, there was some stuff earlier in the year. All that stuff mm. is actually really fun and well designed. Uh, but it's also something that I just spend too much time kind of mindlessly playing. Yeah, yeah. I've I've watched <clears throat> all of that along with Magnum PI. I've also on the second nearest to me screen. I've been watching Hearthstone single player content being uh, played because, by someone who because, isn't you. <laughs> because yeah, Dana has been playing the shit <laughs> right. out of Hearthstone mm. single player stuff. Yeah. And so your guilty pleasures are basically like osmosing someone else's guilty pleasures. Yeah, I'll just sit on a couch and watch Magnum PI because it's on. Right, um, and then skill sort of out of my, Hearthstone. Yeah, and then out of yeah. my periphery, watch Dana crush bosses with different heroes. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Michael Jakes asks, what are your thoughts on Black Mirror? Have you seen any of it? What are your favorite or least favorite episodes? Have you guys watched Black Mirror? I've only seen a few episodes of Black Mirror. I've never actually dove into Black Mirror. Nick? We, we, Janelle was really into it and I sort of bumped on it initially. And then I, uh, we watched the most recent season and then a few of the, uh, like, season one season two episodes uh recently i watched um, i was sort of the opposite i watched <laughs> all of season one then i think a couple of season two and then i haven't watched anything since then and i this is a really frustrating and point i mean pointlessly frustrating thing for me because it's entirely within my own power to ignore but i black mirror is an example of something that has been totally spoiled for me by just internet bullshit. Like yeah. the 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 number of fucking like takes and like radically ping ponging sort of pendulum swings about whether Black Mirror is good or bad, which I think is oh you mean is it good actually or bad actually right? Which yeah. I think is exaggerated because it's an anthology show. So sort of by right. definition, every episode kind of starts from scratch in terms of not carrying over characters or stories or plot lines. So every episode is a totally new opportunity for, for the internet take machine to yeah. like have an opinion about whether it's capital G good or capital G bad. I think that's and one it, of the reasons why I, I also just kind of couldn't deal with yeah. it. Actually. Yeah. And it's stupid because it's not <clears> the shit like uh, that doesn't matter. I mean, I like the show might actually be good or might actually be bad. But the, the thing that it's not that I, I'm not watching it because I, I'm convinced it's bad. It's because I already got so pre-exhausted about Black Mirror by the by just the and I don't even read these articles. I just see them linked and like they like subtweeted face, about right? yeah. and all this shit. And I'm like, God, mm. like this is so insufferable and pointless. And it's so annoying that a show that I might theoretically enjoy has felt kind of just. I just don't even want to engage with any of it because I'm just yeah. so like tired of the garbage, which is so dumb. Like it's such a dumb thing to complain about. I should just watch the stupid show and have my own opinions about it. Um, 
but it instead is, of having opinions about <clears throat> the opinions and how that shapes your opinions. It's not so much that I have opinions about the opinions. I'm just exhausted by everything surrounding the sort of cloud. Sounds like a Black Mirror show. episode. Yeah, <laughs> it basically <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I really am. Look, I, I've Nick. I know that you have. You have definitely sort of struggled with this in the past. Like I've really been trying and actually succeeding over the last couple months to significantly dampen my exposure to social media. Mm. Um, going, being on vacation for a couple weeks was actually really helpful because I basically was barely on social media at all during that time. And since I've been back at home, I mean, I'm on a computer all day for work and stuff, so it's kind of there, but I'm way less exposed to it than I was before. And it's really nice. And maybe, maybe it's time for me to, to dip into Black Mirror now. I turned off yeah. my Facebook this week, and it was very good. What do you mean you turned it off? I just deactivated you my account? Facebook account. Oh, yeah, shit. You, wow. I, del- fully deleting your account is hard, but it's very easy to literally just Turn it off. throw yeah. a switch that huh. if you go, like, <clears throat> people can, if you get linked into a Facebook link externally, it still is like, hey, maybe you should log in now that you're looking at this, but, like, yeah. you can't get tagged or notified about anything because you your existence just pulls itself just out of everyone out else's of the universe. Facebook. Sounds like a Black Mirror episode. It definitely. But it's like you're basically dead. It's like you're basically not there at well, all. Dana noticed because she's like, Facebook just says I'm married, but it doesn't say it doesn't <laughs> I'm married right, yeah. anymore. <laughs> I for me, it really is solely and singularly Twitter. I yep. it's a, it sucks. I've Facebook has never had any pull on me. I just forget it exists. Instagram, mm. which is kind of the one I wish I were into because it seems like <laughs> the fun one. I, I can't stay sort of. Um, I keep my attention isn't isn't held by it. Twitter is really the one, which is which sucks because Twitter is now I think the most poisonous one. But it yeah. used to be the fun one. Twitter used to be the one that was the most fun of all of them, yeah. and that was when I got really into Twitter. And so I still have all of this just lingering um, attraction and basically addiction to Twitter, yep. essentially. Uh, but but it's the one that will just make you want to die. I mean, it's the one that just yeah. is so yep. full of everyone screaming at each other all the time. I mean, sometimes about very worthwhile things ultimately, but not in a way that ever feels healthy or like edifying. And it's a bummer. I had a, I had a, day, I had a day last week where I <clears throat> didn't look at my phone once and I didn't even realize that I hadn't until the end of the day. And I, that felt like a breakthrough. I was like, isn't it like, weird? I've been, that I've been, weird? I, Huh? Yeah, it's, it it's, compl- it's completely weird? bizarre that that's strange, but yeah. uh, I just like left it next to my bed and didn't check it once the entire time. I mean, it was bad because like I think I missed a call that I, <laughs> I needed to check. Sure, yeah. But like, oh my God. Yeah, it's so it's so nice to uh, slowly wean myself off of that stuff. It's, yeah. uh, it's very highly recommended. Yeah. We have to find, Nick, we have to find a way to stay in touch in this new world where we're both trying to use our phones less because I feel um, like I, I never I actually know bought some postcards. <laughs> Yesterday. Wait for real? Yeah, <laughs> just turning wow. into a com- complete old piece of shit. But yeah, I, I, I bought a bunch huh. of postcards. That's cool. Channel's already mailed a few. Yeah, we're gonna. Wow. We're gonna just you guys post- should. You guys should each get. Uh, you should each get like an old Nokia feature phone that has a separate number <laughs> that you just use for texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's funny. Although yeah. then you'd be pissed that you don't have a keyboard. Oh, that'd you be miserable. Should, you should each yeah. get like a dangerous sidekick. You could kick. probably get like an old BlackBerry or something yeah. on eBay mm. that works. Yeah. And. An ancient Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seven years old. It's ancient. Uh, this is the one Obama used. <laughs> uh, J.D. Cohen asks, in The Black Hole, 1979, which robot is your favorite? Choices include the following. Vincent, vital information necessary centralized, played by Roddy McDowell. Old Bob, biosanitation battalion, as played by Slim Pickens. Or Maximilian, the villain's main henchbot. Uh, the the only one that I remember is Maximilian, so I guess. But but old Bob was that the thing? Mm-hmm. I'll go with old Bob just because of his name and description, and and because Slim Pickens because, played him. Yeah, but yeah. I only saw the black hole once, and it really confused and sort of scared me as a child. And all <laughs> I, I remember I've is never the name. Seen I, the black hole, barely know I've never what it seen is. It either, yeah. It's a Disney sci-fi movie that I think was supposed to be their answer to Star Wars. Ah, got him in the end though. Mm. Bought yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I don't remember anything about the black hole. All right. I really like this question, though. Sorry, yeah. J.D. Cohen. We love your question, but we cannot answer it. Either because we refuse or because we don't know how. John asks, have 
either of you, that's a weird word to use here, have either of you... Uh, this, John does not which recognize television-based humans. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, have either of you experienced an immersive theater experience jaunt or other experiential art piece? This includes works like Sleep No More, Meow Wolf's works, Speakeasy San Francisco, The Latitude Society, The Infernal Motel, the Elsewhere Philatelic Society. Philatelic? I actually don't know how to pronounce that word. That is the stamp word, right? Philatelic? Yeah. Is that how you say it? I don't know. All right. Uh, real quick, I looked up Old Bob, and I recognize Old Bob, and Old Bob is definitely my favorite robot from that movie. That's a good-looking robot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Look up Old Bob. You'll find a good-looking robot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've experienced a few Bob. of these. I've experienced Sleep No More like three times, I think, which is a totally... Am, super ambitious and wacky immersive theater experience in New York City. Um, I've experienced Speakeasy San Francisco uh, two times, which is a um, less artsy and more um, straightforward and super fun recreation of a Prohibition era Speakeasy here in San Francisco. And like cabaret show sort of. And cabaret show kind of thing, yeah. And then... Um, Something called that I don't uh, remember who all was who all we did this with, but um, what was it called? The Jejun, the Jejun Institute. Institute. That was like a sort of like immersive puzzle experience inside of San Francisco. Yeah, just all, all across San Francisco city streets and inside certain buildings. That was closer to something like the like the movie The Game or something. But yeah, but it was just, more of an like, ARG, I guess, yeah. than an immersive drama. But it had thing. it had moments that it had that because you were actors. encountering people yeah who are actors who were pretending to be you know shop owners or sort of people behind information desks and stuff oh jd cohen says old bob was the correct answer by the way oh, okay good confirmed yeah Whew. um nick have you done any of this stuff i did sleep no more once yeah yeah, yeah sleep no um, more is cool if you're in new york or in proximity to the new york metro area it's totally worth doing mm-hmm I, was, I think that's the Very only good. one of these that I've done. There, there's a, um, there's a theater company in the Bay Area called. Um, I think Wait, called, you didn't do Speakeasy? I did do Speakeasy with that's us. Right. That's right. I've also done Speakeasy. Speakeasy always slips off my brain. I Speakeasy I like, but I always feel like Speakeasy is full of missed opportunities. I'm kind of a Speakeasy naysayer personally, but I understand that. But they they re- they are over the course of 2018 significantly redoing it. They just redid Act One. And I think over the next six months, they're going to be redoing X2 and 3. That's cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a moment sort of right at the end of the introduction of the Act 1 of Speakeasy that I saw that was easily the best part of that show mm-hmm. where the spotlight sort of like goes down on the guy and the whole like the sort of theatricality gets pumped up. Yeah. When Speakeasy, when Speakeasy just leans into the fact that it is kind of a just funky theater experience, it gets a lot better than when it's pretending to be like you hanging out in Boardwalk Empire uh, or something. I don't fully agree, but I think oh, that's a that's, that's a valid That's take. my opinion on yeah. that. The, yeah. the, the sort of way closer to the theater side version of this that, that I've experienced in the Bay Area is there's a theater production company called The We Players that put on, like, uh, I, saw, I saw a production they did of The Odyssey, and they've also, uh, but they, they, they do theat- theatrical productions on location in real places and the production moves around the space so huh. there is only like like they did a production of the odyssey that was on angel island and they just took over huge chunks of of angel island so uh, you'd follow the actor from scene to scene and there'd be characters waiting so when you get to mount olympus it actually they just it is just a huge mountain that oh, the wow. gods are standing on they did a production of macbeth inside of fort point at night and uh, Dana, my oh, wife, wow. went to that, and that was apparently rad because That's it's cool. just like in an old stone, basically the closest San Francisco has to an old stone castle at night because the fog from the bay just rolled in, and it was apparently mm. super good. Wow! But it's so it's not, it's not the speakeasy or sleep no more style where the audience can just sort of free roam. Like you as the audience follow the actors around as a as a group. Yeah. Like it's it's a set production with right. set staged places that you go, but it has a little bit of that feel because you'll just sort of walk into a room mm-hmm. and then a, a scene is in process or in progress, but it's, it's timed so that you get there and see it. Well, speaking of Scotland, um, a thing I saw in the, actually in the sleep, no more space, like a year ago, uh, was a production of the Royal theater of Scotland. I think, uh, that was called the strange undoing of Prudencia heart, which is a fairly traditional play. I mean, pretty traditional in the sense that like, you don't, you're not up and walking around and interacting directly with the actors, but it, at least in the production I saw of it, 
was staged in an actual restaurant in the, the in the basically a pub style restaurant and the play is set or at least opens in a pub and the actors are all moving around and like occasionally will sort of interact with an audience member and then you're occasionally employed to like do things that add to the show and it was so much goddamn fun it was such a like it's a very fun production to begin with it's just like a really loose enjoyable um not at all stuffy production it's super good it's called the strange undoing of Prudencia heart and i think and i know that they that scottish company like goes and does this in different places in the world so you should consider looking it up and seeing if it'll ever be near you anyway there's some examples of things Stephen norrie says I may be wrong, but I feel as though TV shows having amazing theme songs has sadly become a thing of the past, with many of the shows I watch these days completely eschewing the traditional theme song. What's the best current TV theme song, and what's the all-time greatest? Well, obviously, the utterly intense song from Defenders of the Earth wins, but what else comes close? Uh, That answer is incorrect, and the correct answer is the theme to Matlock. Uh, Matlock. (laughs) Fucking Matlock. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The fucking dirty-ass horns of Matlock obviously win best television theme tune I would put time. the theme to 321 contact high up on that's the really list that's really good mm. that's really good <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good one someone in chat says DuckTales I'll allow DuckTales to be in the list that's fine yeah DuckTales is fine but no, nowhere near nowhere near the, the true intensity of, of, of Matlock modern TV show themes I don't know I don't know I don't yeah, watch enough tough current TV and probably what I do watch doesn't have a lot of theme songs because as the person says like it's just not a common thing anymore really yeah i mean a lot of shows have licensed theme Mm. music now instead of having their own theme song a lot of shows have really really short intros that are kind of just a little taste of music but not a full theme song it's yeah. kind of I enjoy uncommon. the um, I enjoy the crazy ex girlfriend uh, songs that are cha- oh, sort of rotating in and two. out of every season. Yeah, the season, season two of yeah. Crazy Ex Girlfriend. You have to. It has to be experienced in conjunction with the actual visuals of it. Mm-hmm. Like as a standalone song, it's fine, but as a song with the visuals and especially the how that ends, how the the like introductory sequence ends yeah. is one of the best ever. Like show introductory sequences I've ever seen. It's so good. This is kind of cheating because it's a retro throwback, but the Venture Brothers opening credits music is really good. Mm. That that show's still on, basically. I mean, there's long gaps between seasons. Years between seasons. Yeah, but that that counts as a current show. Yeah, Venture Brothers music is incredible, and the theme tune is great. Uh, Barney Miller is another old show that has a pretty fucking bad. There was a period of time when like every '70s sort of cop or related to cop show just had a totally badass funk tune as oh the magnum pi theme song, song is also like, rad this is a good era for some yeah. reason in this part- one particular way at least yeah um <clears throat> let's see those are good polls though from you guys the uh crazy ex-girlfriend and venture brothers for current stuff johannes koski Oh, this is a a goofy example because it's the modern version of just like being three seconds long. But basically, the hold music style theme song that plays every uh, at the beginning of every episode of The Good Place, I think, is really. Oh yeah, the good the good place. I was considering saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not uh, it's not on the same level as like greatest TV show themes of all time, Mm -hmm. but for like that super tight twenty two minute show and what it's sort of about, it it works really well. I totally agree. And musically, it's actually. I was thinking about that when I was watching a recent episode. It's actually a fairly. It, it is a more interesting piece of music than it needs to be to achieve that goal. And I totally And it's a total earworm. That. The theme of from The Good Place gets mm-hmm. stuck mm-hmm. in your head forever, yeah. which is also really <clears throat> fitting for that show. Yep, that's true. Uh, all right, Johannes Koski. Oh, the Law and Order dun dun is allowed as a. That's, oh. not, that's not actually the <laughs> in theme terms song, of though. Because like, the, the Law and Order theme song oh, is Law also theme song, fucking yeah. notable, yeah. Yeah. but for it being just all trash combined. Yeah. Oh, I love the Law and Order. I think theme Law and Order theme song deserves an honorable mention <laughs> in terms of greatest theme songs. When you like, when you consider greatness from the sense of like Hitler was one of history's great figures, <laughs> it's like yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Law and Order was theme good. song, the Hitler of TV show no, theme songs. Law and Order theme song. You've talked no, about Godwin. Is a, no Hitler. Let's let's be clear. Law and Order theme music. No, it is. It's no Hitler. Let me be on the record to say. <laughs> 
I'm not equating the Law and Order theme like, music every with moment, Hitler, Every sort of but, reveal of the Law and Order theme song is fantastic. From the very beginning, ba bum. Then yeah. like the sort I know, of like, so many the, like lethal weapon shitty eighties yeah, guitar, yeah. and then the fucking like flute solo or whatever yep. that is. <laughs> Just whenever, whenever yep. you think it's over, it's not. A yep. different electric piano will appear later on. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Never stops. No, it doesn't. Uh, it's very good. That, that, also, that, dogs that, hate it. The original playthrough of the full version of that theme song is still currently playing to this day. Uh, it, it, that, it, in fact, never ends. <laughs> like four ponytails just, dudes continue yeah. to just jam on the Lord yes, of the theme song yeah, forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Eight more sort of genres have been introduced as filtered through kind of ponytailed That's sound like a guy. That's a quick article, just the end of yeah. the Lord of the song's final, yeah. final coda is yet yeah. to be revealed. Yeah, that actually would be something that I could see a site like Clickhole or The Onion doing justice where they actually continue on they actually have yeah. higher musicians to continue on from the law and order theme song and introduce like 16 more surprising reveals of weird mm-hmm. flattened out genres yes. into yeah <laughs> this kind of synth rock style yeah law and order theme song very good all right johannes koski writes in terms of technical quality idle thumbs is one of the most pleasant sounding and professional looking podcasts i've listened to to date the idle thumbs office has looked like a spaceship for a long while now the dizzying array of technology on display is impressive and not easy to understand. And with the recent addition of Nick's affable telepresence, the setup has begun has gotten even more complex. Could you explain how your voice and likeness travels to us each week and why they are so pleasant to my eyes and ears? What mics do you have? Are they connected directly to a computer? Are they routed via an audio interface? What streaming program do you use? Is Nick on Skype? Did you give him his usual mic to take to Canada? Did he buy a rude Canadian microphone? This really stretches the like one question limit of this, but I, I will lump it all into one <laughs> How question. How do you produce the show from a technical standpoint? Yes. Jake, obviously you are the person to answer this. That's not entirely true because I don't have shit to I mean, do with I can the audio part, which is it. how most people understand okay, it. Okay, well, I mean... I'll answer that part, and then you can answer the more fun video part. The audio for this show is recorded into three Behringer C1 condenser microphones, which I purchased out of pocket in 2008 to produce episode one of Idle Thumbs, the video game podcast. Yeah, we did the we did the the thing that uh, an idiot does, but it turned out to be good in our case, which is like, we, okay, guys, we're gonna do a podcast. We've never done one before. We don't know anything about it. Let's buy like some really good equipment out of pocket before we actually know if yeah. we can record an episode well, together. I mean, let's like be honest. If you go back and listen to episode one of Idle Thumbs, it does not sound good relative to what our current podcast sound, yeah. sound like. Uh, but that was more. That, that, so there's a truth in audio, which is it, it is more true for audio than anything else. I mean, this is true for any sort of pipeline of creation, but the most true for audio by far, which is that you are only ever as good as the weakest element in your chain. There is simply no way to clean. I mean, audio can just not be cleaned up in the way that with enough sort of money. You can't paint over post. audio. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no painting over of audio without simply re-recording something and putting it on top. Like, it's just, there are things you can do to kind of, like, nudge it in the right direction, but you really, truly are only as good as your weakest element. So even though we had totally decent mics when we started, we were all running them through a pretty crappy mixer that all baked them down into one audio stream. And there, and there just, was, like, noise introduced by the old cabling. Yeah, there was noise here. introduced by cabling, which is a really common problem in audio. I mean, it was just, there were a lot, of, a lot of ways in which it was a disaster. We were recording just in my apartment, which was not a noise-controlled environment. Yeah, I think, I think literally the the four microphones were the only original element. Like the Oh, yes. and the stands that they're on. <clears throat> but uh, we replaced them with, uh, at one point we had them on arms, and, and we got shock mounts for the mic so you don't hear the table taps as much. Right. And we redid all of the cabling. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, everything else has changed. The way it works now is that we have these mics that run into a uh, an eight-channel USB audio interface um, is that, that a digital preamp? Is that what that's called, or is that not? That was. I guess. I mean, people call them audio interfaces. Okay. Um, which is actually Ayanna Koski in the question asked that. Okay. And then that runs into an iMac that records each microphone on a separate channel in Logic Pro. Um, Nick, it, we actually did in fact give him one of the original Idle Thumbs microphones, which is uh, one of the reasons he sounds. Uh, relatively indistinguishable from how he sounded when he was here in the studio, which is really nice. Um, and uh, then I I used to do vo- um, noise reduction um, to just erase room tone and background noise from the audio. But to my earlier point about audio, 
you can't really do that without also reducing the quality of the voice itself. And we are lucky enough now to record this in a relatively sound dampened, dedicated studio so that I, even without, I don't do noise reduction anymore. And you can hear the room tone because we aren't in an actual professional audio recording studio, but I, it's our best room by a a huge amount. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I find the trade-off to be worthwhile. There's a little bit of room tone, but you really only hear it if you listen to the podcast pretty loud. And I think it's worth maintaining the nice, clear voice without, um, Yep. the inevitable degradation you get with noise reduction. So that's the audio side. Uh, the video side is just kind of a mess um, because the real way, like, you know, um, for people who only listen to this on audio, we do every episode as a uh, YouTube, and this one we're live streaming on Twitch. So we do video every episode of Out of Thumbs at this point. Um, video is interesting in that if you really w- there's there's no way to sort of cleanly upgrade yourself from amateur to professional video without throwing everything out and starting over so the auto thumb studio the auto thumb studio is basically built out of us like wringing the last drops of potential out of all just, amateur baby. out of just amateur stuff out of just like it's literally there's like five webcams in here that are plugged into. I bought a PCI card for the PC for the PC that has had a bunch of additional USB plugs on it because I was overloading the USB bus on the motherboard. Uh, so I got another one, uh, and it's literally just a bunch of webcams plugged into a PC that it, uh, we're then using XSplit, which is a pretty common streaming software, and I have a thing set up to rotate the camera every 12 seconds. Um, we don't use the audio off of the webcams because it sounds really nasty. What Chris actually does is the audio interface that we use loops back around into the PC. So when we stream, you do hear the, you just hear the podcast. You're hearing real mic audio. Yeah. Yeah. For Nick, uh, when Nick comes in, I got really obsessed briefly with like, how do I integrate uh, Nick's video signal into the episode and how do we make that look good? Uh, And then I thought it was funnier and easier to just film a TV screen with Nick's face on it. So that's what we do. Um, and then we get on the phone. We literally just have a phone call with Nick, which is what we, our earphones are so that it works um, so we can hear him in real time without any lag. And that's kind of it. Except when we live stream Nick, then I also uh, – we're on Skype with Nick, which puts the image on the screen. We usually just use that for the video. But when we live stream it, uh, there's a there's a streaming – there's a local area network streaming technology called NewTek NDI, which is meant for – actually, that is – it's meant for professional broadcasters to, like, stream motion graphics from their motion graphics computer onto their broadcast computer or to, like, do really elaborate wipes between multiple video sources. And it's amazing technology. It's basically nearly latency-free um, streaming uh, for streaming full full audio and video over a LAN, and all we really use it for is to put Nick's Skype microphone onto the Twitch stream. <laughs> so it's not actually we don't use it for anything really. Um, there's Nick, but um, this so the description of the Autothumb Studio as just a mess of cables is not inaccurate. I try to keep it clean, but there's just there's so much going there's on. Four it's microphones and five webcams and two PCs and all of the audio stuff. Like we've actually got most of it tucked down into like a couple cable conduits, unless anyone has to move anything. At which point it just goes, it just turns yeah. into just. I'm astonished that it works as well as it does because there's so much back and forth routing going yeah. in all different directions. I understand it's now why. Like when we used to go visit Giant Bomb and it looked like a fucking hellhole of stuff, yeah. but it always worked. It was like, oh, it's because you literally, you have to do it to mm-hmm. get enough, like, I want to be able to watch what I'm recording and hear it, and yep. also three audio sources have to mix into the video, blah, 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 yep. blah. It just requires snaked cords going it all over the place. It just yep, it's true. Um, it's really fun to do all this crap yeah. as well. All right, Fiona Martin says, I would just like to use my question to give a shout out to all the awesome folks in the Thumbs community. That is really cool. Nice. That is a very nice way to use your privilege of asking a question yeah yeah um cool i know that fiona is a big presence in the idle thumbs reader slack which is a cool community of people who will just hang out and talk about whatever oh fiona actually has an additional question in twitch chat which is what was the name and make of the of the uh audio interface again oh again well we never said it in the first place because i can't remember can you go look you're closer than i am i can it's a uh it's we used to have a mode Bigger than we need. We used to have one made by the co- a company amazingly called Mark of the Unicorn. Uh, but the one we have now is not Focus that. Right. Oh, it's Focusrite. It's a Focusrite mm. 8 in, I believe, 2 out, maybe, mixer. Um, they don't have model names. They're just named, I believe, by how many ins and outs they have. So yeah, I, this has I, 8 XLR or quarter-inch audio ins. Yeah. 
and and two outputs two I think. outputs and then also one USB output yeah so um, yeah it's it's good we had to get rid of our other one because um, it was firewire it was firewire it was firewire based. and we when we upgraded our computer it didn't have firewire in anymore um, also just in, I mean relatedly to Fiona thanking the Adult Thumbs community for being awesome I would like to also thank the Adult Thumbs community for being awesome and for funding things like our Patreon. Uh, which which helps us make this stupid recording. Which helps that we just us actually about. buy all this crap because you know, as I said, the original microphones that we still use, I just bought myself back in the day. But there's no way we would have actually been able to improve the quality of all this stuff to the degree that we have without the, the, our support. 2012 Kickstarter and the Patreon, and obviously yep. ads. But um, mm-hmm. over the existence of Idle Thumbs, community support I think has majorly outstripped oh, advertising by, f- by far, yeah. by like a massive yep. percentage. Yeah, it's not even close. Um, Thanks for letting us spend hundreds of dollars on orange foam to cover the walls of, these, of this <laughs> yeah, room. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Andy Gorman asks, when the three of you are hanging out, do you refer to one another as your idle chums? Uh, no, and we never nope. will. <laughs> no. I refer to Chris as my old chum sometimes, and Nick as my old Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Arden Avery asks, do any of you know how to keep aquarium fish alive? I've had an aquarium for a year now, and suffice to say, it's not going so hot. There Thanks. are way better sources for aquarium information than us. Are Hopefully, there? I need help with my aquarium. I've got to back the Idle Thumbs Patreon at the at the Ruination Cast level and get these guys to tell me <laughs> how to fix it. These fish are fading fast. <laughs> Boy, it's already the third week of January. Where's Still that, no Ruination. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> Fish is on its last legs. Fuck, fish don't even have legs. I don't know anything about I don't fish. Know anything about fish. I don't know They're dying. Me. Have either of you guys actually ever had a fish? I had a goldfish as a kid and it eventually died. Uh, me too. I uh, The reason I say I don't really know that there are any better sources than us to ask about this is because I think if you're the kind of person, which I also am, let's be clear, who would have struggle with this kind of task in the first place and need to ask this question, it literally doesn't matter what source you consult, you're going to fuck it up and the fish are going to die. And I say that as someone who can't seem to keep a fucking succulent plant alive. So like I Is this is this because there's contradictory advice? Uh No, this is because I think some people like me and maybe Arden, I don't know. I, I don't want to be too presumptuous here. I don't lump Arden in with my ineffectual garbage self, but uh there are some people who seem to there is like some field that we emit that even with the sort of things that are theoretically the simplest version of the thing to keep alive which i would say as far as pets go is a goldfish and as far as plants go is a small potted succulent uh they're just like i i maybe you need something that's actually harder to keep alive I think that's Maybe probably actually the true. Simplicity of yeah, the I fish, should just have a ch- the a elegance kid. of the succulent. I should just have a child, which will just be such a fucking constant disaster <laughs> that I just put like I have no choice but to like pull my hair out. Like also un- maintaining un- its unlike life a goldfish, I feel like a child can kind of just sort of fail forward if you meet its basic needs. Like it might be a shitty kid. Yeah, eventually. well, and then a terrible adult. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, right? At least you could be sort of just. Um, the goldfish will just die. You could be a rude shit about how you raised that child, no matter how they turn out. You know, yeah. you can you can you can act like you did a good job, no matter what, because they're fucking alive. <laughs> unlike the goldfish. Well, yeah, exactly. And you can hold it over that kid's head forever and be like, "Uh, you're still here, aren't you?" How'd I did you think my that part. Happened? Yeah. So, you know, uh, try that approach with your goldfish. You're not dead yet, huh? Just cross. Who your- do you whose whose responsibility do you think that is? <laughs> cross your arms and judge it for your sins. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nick, how many fish have you raised successfully? Uh, none. Why well, don't yeah. know if I said raised? <laughs> <laughs> I had two gold when I was a child. The only pets we ever had, as until we bought the irate bird that I've described a couple times on this podcast when I was in high school, maybe. Uh, until then, or junior high, I don't know. The the only other pet we ever had because I had the kind of parents who were just definitely never going to get a dog or a cat or something like that, a fun animal, um, were two <laughs> goldfish that I had when I was a small child, which I think I named Bloober and Tuber. Oh, in the way that oh, Those are good. Yeah. Those are good. Bloober is an especially good fish name, but yeah. then be like, well, I guess that think Tuber was just a like, yeah. reaction to thinking of Bloober. It's the second fish. It's definitely the second fish, yeah. Bloober is definitely the one that I- Bloober is the Mario of the Bloober and Tuber combo. <laughs> it's either Bloober yeah. bros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
I also that was my that was my favorite. Like I wasn't really allowed to have video games, so I just had knockoffs. You had Bloober uh, Bros. Bloober Bros. That was like a CGA f- based Commander Keen ripoff. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Designed for uh, IBM PC and Tandy compatible machines. Right. Uh, Tandy of, clones. Bloober Bros. Actually, was just clearly like a British uh, floppy disk share. Oh game. God, yeah. Bloober Bros. Was definitely like a ZX Spectrum, <laughs> uh, like Mario ripoff that didn't have smooth scrolling. It yeah. went screen, <laughs> screen like, to screen, screen to screen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know how to keep a fish alive. Um, all right, we have a couple late breaking questions <laughs> that I don't have printed out on my thing, but are in the comments. Games discussed. Bloober Bros. <laughs> Um, okay. Ah, oh, God damn it. Questions like this get asked all the time and we never have answers for them. Sorry. Uh, so I'm sorry. Tom Grundy, who asks, best album of the last 10 years or so? Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. This is so fucking stupid. And I know this is not what anyone means when they ask this question, but like, I, I don't know if. Uh, no. no. <laughs> uh, that's not what I was going to say. That's too real, Nick. Um <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually know if this holds up for me going back a full 10 years, but maybe pretty close. The album that I've probably listened to the most in the last 10 years, and I know this is ridiculous, but it is the soundtrack to the film Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I've listened to that soundtrack so much, by, too. I think Alberto Iglesias? Yes. Is that the composer? I've listened to it so, so much. Um, when I was working on Firewatch, that was basically like on loop for months, along with a couple other like-minded soundtracks. I, yeah, me I didn't too. mean to do that. I usually don't do that of like listening to soundtracks of things that I think about when making the thing that I make. Yeah. But I listened to the soundtracks to Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and the conversation probably like oh, a conversation hun- like a hundred times each. God. Yeah. Here, here, Jake, actually, or anyone really, if you like, so David Shire composed the soundtrack to the conversation is fucking fantastic but he, listen a f- super fun david shire soundtrack uh is the taking of pelham one two three okay it is just a totally badass um uh horn soundtrack that is just super brassy and right. fun but also has the sort of i think fairly distinctive david shire 12 tone um kind of non-traditional uh, i don't know how to describe what this is but like there's a musical style called 12 tone composition where you don't write the music in a sort of specific discernible key you use all 12 semitones like kind of equally uh and david shire used that a lot i believe he used that in the soundtrack to zodiac as well and my memory is that he also used that technique in the taking of pelham of one two three on top of a more traditionally tonal kind of bass riff and it is bad ass it is so cool and fun to listen to um, and pretty different to say the conversation, which is a lot more thoughtful um, and sort of contemplative soundtrack. I like the well, the conversation soundtrack. I, I think is cool because it also, for some reason, ends up using like a lot of the forms of ragtime music, but not. Oh, that's at true. All, that's true. That's true. But not at all. Yeah. Like the the style, the melodies and harmonies that are actually in like a Scott Joplin song. Yeah, that's a good mm. point. Um, but yeah, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, big for me. I listened to that a lot during the development of Firewatch as well, and the ori- my some of my original attempts. At, for the Firewatch soundtrack drew a lot from Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and I don't know how much that actually ended up in the game but it was su- it feels like it's of the genre that, on that, that soundtrack plays in even if not literally referential to it yeah that might be mm. true um, I declare it to be true as someone who didn't <laughs> write that music but listens to a lot of film scores of those genres yeah 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 uh, Nick anything anything from you here oh god I don't know if I have a good answer for this you gotta weird, be able to do better than like, Chris saying Tinker Taylor and me saying also Tinker Taylor. Oh <laughs> God, the last ten years is like the last ten years is so hard. It's it's yeah it's we're old it's people. Weird because, yeah, I guess so. Old music. I mean, it's just basically, but also the way that I listen to music has changed. I don't me buy too. albums anymore, which is like an unfortunate thing. But I just don't, um, and so I don't. It's hard to answer that question. Yeah, um, I mean, I like the other tough thing about this is that I don't best album things mm. are so um I, I find those discussions and lists from individual people to be so uh worthless like if i were to start saying things like the fiona Al- apple album that came out a few years ago or like a dr dog album i really loved it's like oh okay mm-hmm. well that all that tells me is you're the pers- kind of person who listens to dr dog and fiona apple not yeah. there's anything intrinsically like right. universally the best or recommendable about these albums and so I, like, I find that to be a really like frustrating part of 
how music is recommended and discussed, which is one of the reasons I said Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, not because that isn't still true. Like it is also still true that I say that in part because I'm the kind of person who likes the music that is the soundtrack of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but because that's just something that isn't like an obvious thing that is just, oh, you like bands like this, therefore you will yeah. like the albums from those bands. Like at least that soundtrack is something that hopefully for most people is kind of an unusual choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yep. I I mean, I, yeah, I generally just sort of fall into the same hole as Nick probably where like I'm well past the time when I would buy albums and listen to them forever and they would sort of start contributing to my identity or my musical identity. Right. It's not that I don't listen to new music. It's just that I kind of just yeah. graze it on Spotify or Apple Music yeah. as opposed to like, because I, 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 I mean, if I hand select something, it's going to be something that just confirms back to all of my previous tastes. I'm right. not going to be like, mm-hmm. ah, this new thing that I would never pick up, I'm going to spend $15 on it and buy it and listen to it yep. cold. That is really rare for yep. me at this point. Yep. I, but new things that just come to me through the air mm-hmm. happen all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- there was something that I remember um, my uh, one of my music professors in, coll- er, in, co- in college <laughs> saying which was i think is is largely true for most people which is that your taste in popular music and by popular music i don't mean like pop with a capital p i mean like yeah. rock pop rap like any any the country like any of the genres that are basically like non-academic popular music like your your taste in those genres is for most people there are obviously exceptions to this but for most people it largely forms itself by the time you're like roughly 20 and it is relatively uncommon for most people to significantly branch out beyond that. Um, I mean, you might feel like you're branching out, but probably if you take a wider view and look at your tastes versus like the tastes of the rest of society, yours have probably stayed within a relatively narrow margin, you know, once your sort of adolescence has concluded. And I think that is true of most people, including myself, um, which makes questions like this, I think, kind of difficult for me to feel super confident about about having anything interesting to say in response to um anyway sorry for that super dumb dry answer uh i still do listen to albums actually i don't i've never gotten accustomed to listening to shuffled music ever i mean i essentially listen to albums or nothing that's really the only way i listen to stuff i'm just a way less voracious consumer than i used to be i mean when i was uh, adolescent through mid twenties, I was an unbelievably voracious acquirer of music. It was it, totally crazy. I think my Spotify style consumption is still like exponentially lower than most people, but that's the only time that I'll ever end up hearing a new piece of music. So I right. sort of just make myself either yeah, like listen to sense. friends' playlists or just spend a couple hours listening to stuff there. Yeah. Otherwise, I fall back on the same iTunes library that I've basically maintained sure. since like two thousand four or whenever iTunes started saving your MP3s together. Yeah. Ooh. Matt asks, all this Tide Pod stuff got me thinking. What's the dumbest thing you've ever eaten? What the fuck is the deal? Can anyone explain to me what's happening with Tide Pods? Are people actually eating Tide yes, Pods? Yes, they are. Yeah. Uh, they are for real? This isn't one of those, like, the kids are doing this. Well, I mean, no, they're doing this, it. Was, this was literally a, a quarter of this last week's Reply All podcast. They went into Tide Pods oh, really? in depth. And, I mean, it's not like... It's not literally just kids are eating them for the sake of eating them, but no, it's I mean like, I assume it's a it's, it's like basically a dare like teen or dare bullshit. Yeah, okay. Which I mean, the the arc that they described on Reply All was it started off as sort of deep social media, like triple triple deep ironic. It's funny that Tide Pods look like candy. I'm going to pretend that I want to eat them. Then people on YouTube start like tasting them as like like YouTube gross ass video, like, and is, then it fades into like the teen. Uh, into like the this Tide is basically Pod challenge. like the lick a Nintendo Switch cartridge, except that you could probably actually die. Yes, but I mean, it basically, I, I don't think that it's gone much farther than ironic Twitter to gross out YouTube to Instagramming your friends doing it. Like, I don't think that it's actually like a crazy thing that's that's right. It's not sweeping the nation. Yeah, but there are definitely but people it's, but actually it, doing. But there are public acts of eating right. a Tide Pod. Do we know if there have been any cases of serious injury? I'm or sure death? that people have had to. Go to they've reported because you, you eat a Tide Pod. Yeah, the Poison Control has said that. It's like their their rates are way up for the beginning of this year. Um, <laughs> rates of Tide Pod consumption way up. Oh, given that it would have been historically essentially zero, and now yeah. there's any <laughs> of it, your getting... percentage increase is roughly infinite. Chris, you're getting fucking owned in chat. Someone says, "Chris, you drank vinegar. Shut the fuck up." Yeah, that was going to be my answer. Oh, good. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, my answer is I drank an entire bottle of white vinegar. <laughs> I will say the white vinegar is actually food. Like, it is actually something intended for human consumption, if not in the quantity that I consumed it. Sure. I mean, that's like Tide Pods are just an even grosser version of I dare you to drink a gallon of milk. Like, you're just going to, it's just. No, they're not. Tide Pods are toxic. I mean, they're, they're. Any amount of a Tide Pod, I assume, is considered toxic to humans. It's yes. not like, well, normally you just you just bust it open and season a bit of your food with it, but it's really dangerous when you eat the whole Tide Pod in one go. Sure, fair no, enough. it's not the same thing. I am not claiming I wasn't a fucking moron teen who but at least drank a whole bottle of white vinegar, but it, it was the getting... chances that it would actually do anything genuinely harmful to me, probably fairly low. I mean, I wasn't good for me. I'm sure it was bad <laughs> for me, but I really don't think it's in the same category as eating laundry detergent <laughs> fucking get real <laughs> i mean uh, but they look like candy chris yeah they're so visually appealing yeah i mean it, remi- I mean, I, I, it sh- reminds me of like antifreeze being colored so that you don't confuse it for something you should drink but then fucking ecto cooler and all the kids drinks now just look <laughs> like antifreeze <laughs> so antifreeze is like culturally coded to actually look delicious now. right yeah 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 yeah. Uh, the way the, the Tide Pod looks like it's the latest, yeah. just like Sweet Tarts rope jammers, like crossed with, you know, like every, like candy products are now just like the most fucking disgusting, weird looking things. And I eat all of them, but right. they're just like, sure, t- but they look like unnatural things that wouldn't happen. Yeah. A Tide Pod just looks like the latest, uh, God, what is the, what is the, the like Airheads Max Extreme Rainbow <laughs> Swirl or something? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. The first I ever saw of Tide Pods, because I, I guess in part because I have been trying to decrease my social media awareness, was when it clearly was already enough of a thing that the Tide Corporation it's like, stop, please issued, stop. Well, okay, except that the way they did it, I found this really distasteful. Well, I wasn't sure because I thought it might not have even been a real thing. And the reason I wasn't sure it's a real thing is because the way that Todd addressed the Tide addressed this, <laughs> the way that Todd addressed this, our national spokesperson Todd, uh, was to hire like a sports figure of some repute to sort of participate in an online tweet that was intended to and did go viral, which was like basically this sports guy intercut with title cards saying things like, should you eat a Tide Pod? And then the sports guy being like, no, 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 no. And then they loop the no, no, no. And then like, well, should you do it in this circumstance? And they go repeat him going, no, no, no. And it just comes off like uh, one of those classic attempts for a brand to participate in weird Twitter and be the cool, which is now what fucking every brand on Twitter does constantly, which is the most insufferable thing of brands trying to be cool, but somehow getting tons of positive reinforcement from the internet like that they are in fact being cool which i find mind-boggling so my first exposure to this was like i can't even tell if this is actually a real thing or if tide is just like participating Ugh. in a fun twitter thing like is this a real warning or so do you think ju- that like, you think what you can, the fuck is any of this what is the time to etsy confectioners making tide pods that are actually candy? <laughs> oh man no. yeah Oh, oh also, God, yeah, for sure. The Reply All episode and also our chat pointed out that The Onion called this a few years ago. There's a 2015 editorial written by a little kid, uh, like a small child, and the headline is, So help me God, I'm going to eat one of those multicolored detergent pods. <laughs> <laughs> it's really depressing how frequently you can find old Onion things that speak to our current moment. It's sort of the like less existentially destructive version of like finding old Trump tweets criticizing things that current Trump now does. Yep. Sorry to keep bringing up Trump. This is like the Trump seals off. We're one year in finally. And this is like his name has probably never been said on this podcast or almost never. And this episode. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not. Just a little treat for the Patreon backers. Yeah. (laughs) Seal seal that back up. President Trump. Okay. This should be a refuge. Um, Okay. I think that is. um, Oh, hold on. I I searched Etsy for Tide Pods. Yeah. Uh, and it makes me want to die. So the first two results are a, a T-shirt, one of which has a smiley face and says, I know it's detergent, but it looks delicious. The next oh one is a God. T-shirt that says, I eat Tide Pods. <laughs> a little bit. You slightly can, less creative. You can also get embroidered Tide Pod pillows. Oh. Uh, a, t- a lot of Tide Pod pins. I was really hoping for an actual edible Tide Pod. People. Does um, Etsy sell edible things, though? I don't know. Maybe you can't buy food on Etsy. I mean, Etsy. that seems like something that you would find, re- bl- like, sort of f- specific foodie blogs and stuff would de- yeah. be a race to develop recipes for. Yeah, that's true. Maybe you can't buy candy off of the internet. 
I mean, you can, but maybe not from Etsy. Oh, God. I don't like this Etsy search at all, Jake. This is, this <laughs> no, is bad. <laughs> Forbidden Fruit Bikini Forbidden Top. Forbidden Fruit Bikini oh, Top. Oh, no. What? Oh, God. Is it it's Tide like, Pods? Oh, it's yeah. Somebody, it's just a oh. bikini top with the Tide Pod on each side. All right. But, but uh, 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 yeah. God, what what sort of like... Oh, Tide Pod cookies have been made already, says chat. So, mm. Tide Pod... What B-tier, aspirational A-tier celebrity is going to wear a like gown made out of Tide Pods sewn together to the next <laughs> kind of like a major awards ceremony? That's that's Depending on how long this thing carries on, that's the next thing to check off. The bingo card of ridiculous internet hucksterism immediately weaponized by stupid trend. Like a Tide Pod tongue piercing? Oh, blah. oh, what, Chris? Just Ugh. Eh? all right. I, mean, I think that's that probably On wraps that it note. up for the. <laughs> well, no. What did you find now, Nick? What horror? No, 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 no. I said on that note. Yes, we should. That, oh, that, on that, that oh, totally okay. wrap edible Tide Pod pizza. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining us. For... Morph mouth boy bite <laughs> with <Wolf-like. laughs> With Tide Pod. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Idle Thumbs Ruination Online. We will, of course, do another one of these next month. And if you would like to uh, become one of the question askers whose inquiry uh, receives a reply on this podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash idle thumbs, where you can see the details there of the different tiers you can sign up to, including the ones that allow access to this feature, this uh, thing, tradition that we do. Once again, that is uh, patreon.com slash idle thumbs. And uh, we will be back soon enough with a normal episode of Idle Thumbs, the video game podcast on the Idle Thumbs podcast feed. Um, or an ad-free version of it if you're on the Patreon. That's true, yeah. Um, so that about wraps it up. For Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Thanks for joining us. We will see you soon. Bye. 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 Huge mega dick now. I look a little too large. You're, you're pretty t- fucking large. It's pretty <laughs> you're, you're un- unnerving. <laughs> That's too small. Go, there it's, you go. Nope. Oh, oh, the, the there middle is one. The mid there it is. Nick. There you go. That's, there you go. That Nick fucking mid. second Nick came back. Hold on. Let me get that out of here. <laughs>